Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Good morning. How you doing? <laughs> you guys look good. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you look good. <laughs> we have had a remarkable time this weekend. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to be with us, I'm so sorry. You missed a really good one. Uh, we've seen God moving in marvelous ways. We have uh, just uh, again and again been reminded of the beauty of the gospel. See, our, our gospel, we love a powerful gospel. We love a gospel full of authority. But today we're going to ask ourselves, but is it beautiful? And I would put to you, it's very beautiful. Uh, At Impact Nations, we believe that everyone was called for a purpose, everyone was called for significance, everyone was called into the kingdom of God. Some of them just don't know it yet. Uh, We like to say we rescue lives with a really big gospel. Again, we believe that the gospel is big enough and powerful enough to change every part of life. Uh, And all over the world, we see it come again and again and again. We see the power of God come, the reality of heaven, right? Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job as Christ followers is to connect the reality of heaven, life from the age to come, as John said, and connect it with the here and now. And our job is to bring light into the darkness. And so everywhere we go, we love to just run right into the darkness with the light of the world. We do that in a few different ways. Uh, Journeys of compassion are a a great way to do that. Uh, We love to bring people from all over the world. That journey right there, I had the privilege of having my family with me. Uh, It's the first time I've had uh, the opportunity to bring my family with me. We We had 44 people on that trip in the Philippines. We were in 20 different communities over the course of about two weeks. Uh, We saw thousands encounter Christ. More healings than I can count. But the cool thing is, you saw actually, one one of the kids that was giving testimony there was my daughter, Hosanna. She's 10 years old. And she's suddenly been awakened to the reality of heaven. Because every day, she would lay hands on the sick and people would get healed. And then she would say, that was a gift from Jesus. Do you want another gift? He wants to come and, and live with you on the inside and walk with you each and every day. And people said, yeah, I'd like that gift too. <laughs> of course. We always work with local pastors. Uh, each one of our translators, including the, the lady that you saw give that testimony about the, the deaf and mute girl who suddenly could hear and speak, uh, each one of those translators are pastors in those local communities so that when we come and bring the word, we demonstrate the gospel, we proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, those pastors are able to come in behind us because now they've been with us all day in that community. They know who have responded to the gospel. We're planting house churches all over the place. So uh, we, we, we demonstrate the gospel during journeys of compassion, but then throughout the year, we're also bringing good news to the poor through clean water. You saw a bit about water filters. We're doing that throughout the world all the time. Clean water, by the way, is a massive need all over the world. You know that. Um, We are feeding the hungry. We're now doing organic farming, helping communities begin to grow their own food so that, uh, you know, we can give them one meal today, but then what about tomorrow? So now we're beginning to teach them organic gardening that will uh, produce seeds that they can harvest and plant again in the next season. Uh, 
And then a big part of what we do is rescuing people from really dangerous situations. And I'm talking about uh, rescuing people from human trafficking, uh, rescuing pregnant teens who have been abused and abandoned or left alone on the streets, pregnant, unsure what to do. We, we rescue children from slavery. In India, we, we've encountered communities where uh, in generations, I'm talking three or four generations have been working as slaves in brick factories. And it's the only life they've ever known. And by God's grace, uh, because we showed up in a journey of compassion, we, we began to operate in the rhythm of the kingdom. We began to operate the world the way the world was made to work in compassion. As we extended compassion to these communities, hearts began to turn. And suddenly the slaveholders release the children to go to school. And we have, in the last four years, we have been able to get 2,200 children out of the brick factory and into school. How many believe that's good news? Yeah, that's okay, you can clap, that's all right. Jesus said we have a, an enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And I tell you, there is nothing more fun than seeing people discover abundant life. Whether it's people coming on a journey and discovering they were made for more than just coming to church and grinding away at work for a few days a week, but made to actually operate in the kingdom, or the abundant life that comes from discovering that actually you were made for so much more than working as a slave in a brick factory. Abundant life is our job, it's, it's our joy. We get to just release it everywhere we go. Uh, my family, by the way, is my reminder of abundant life. We, I think we got a picture of my family. That's a good looking family. <laughs> that's, actually, that's the first time I've seen that photo up close and I don't, everybody looks like a dwarf but me, I don't, that's weird. It must, that's just a trick of the camera, they're not all that short. Um, this was us in the Philippines, actually. We, we took that, that family photo just recently. When I see this, what you're looking at right here, you don't know it. This is a miracle. On two fronts, actually. First off, my wife and I, when we were married, we were told we couldn't have children. Hmm. <laughs> we, uh, we actually moved to the Philippines after about five and a half, six years of marriage because we thought, well, if we can't have kids, then let's get busy making spiritual children. Let's get busy making disciples. And so we went to the Philippines, and if you can believe it, my wife, she's, she's amazing. She told she could not have children. Instead, she chose to serve as a midwife, helping the poor have children. Yeah. And then it wasn't long before we, after we got there that Promise was born, my eldest, the one in the Star Wars shirt there. That's Promise. Her name is Promise because we had been promised children, and lo and behold, huh. God fulfills his promises. I heard that somewhere. <laughs> That's the first miracle. Second miracle. Twelve and a half years ago, you would not have recognized me. Not just because I had hair back then, although I did. I promise, I, there was a time I had hair. Uh, however, I was walking in darkness. I was alone. I was isolated. By that point, I had, uh, I had had children uh, but I was walking in darkness like you wouldn't believe. I was living a double life. I was professing Christ publicly, but privately I was, I was wrapped up in bondage. I was angry all the time. Bethany knew something was wrong. 
And I cried out to God. I said, God, I am stuck. And I don't know what to do. I know I'm broken. I know this is not the abundant life you promised me. I've read it in the Bible, Lord, but I know this isn't it. I just, I'm stuck. And I need you to help me get unstuck. And as all things, you know, in an instant, and then over a period of weeks, months, and years, he, he changed everything. In an instant, the process began, and I can tell you exactly when the process began. And he began to bring restoration. And now we have a beautiful family. My, my marriage was completely restored. It was on the rocks. I'm telling you, we were this close to calling it quits because I was just rotten to the core. I just, I was. That's just all there is to it. And yet Jesus lifted me up out of the miry clay. He said, I made you for so much more than this. And he dusted me off. He put me back on my feet, set my feet on the rock. He said, hey, let's do this abundant life thing together. And I began to walk in the light. It was a very painful process for a few years. But the Lord just put us back together. We've been married for almost 21 years now. Yeah. <laughs> um, this morning I want to share with you out of Acts 3, and in a minute we'll put the scripture up, but just not, not just yet. Um, I, I love the book of Acts. It's my favorite book. And if, if you're new to the Bible and you're not sure where to start, I can't decide. Either Mark's really good, John's fantastic, but Acts, if you want just adventure, Acts is the place to be. I mean, you got shipwrecks and miracles. It's fantastic. Uh, the book of Acts uh, begins with the, uh, the commission of the disciples and the ascension of Christ. You've got uh, the disciples waiting in the upper room, right? They're waiting for this, uh, they're waiting for something to happen. They're not sure. They just know that Jesus said, don't get started until I send my Holy Spirit. They probably weren't quite sure what that meant. And suddenly, into the upper room, a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, you guys know this, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, boom, we're off to the races, and the church is born. Peter goes out, preaches this amazing sermon. 3,000 people added to their number that day. Well, 3,000 men plus their, their households, right? Then at the end of Acts 2, we see the life of the church. How many people, you read those last verses of Acts 2, and you think, gee, I wish life was like that again. Couldn't we have church like that again? I mean, they were breaking bread together. They were studying the, the scriptures. They were sharing everything they had. It says everything they had, they had in common. It was this incredible community, empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by community. And that's where we pick up in Acts 3. Uh, empowered by community. Here's, here's Acts 3. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The time for prayer. There was a man being carried in who'd been lame since birth. By the way, we know from later in this chapter, he'd been lame, lame since birth, but he was over 40 years old. This guy has not walked in over 40 years, never walked in his life for 40 years. People used to bring him every day to the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could ask for alms from folk on their way into the temple. When he saw Peter and John going into the temple, he asked them to give him some money. Peter, with John, looked hard at him. And he pulled out a, a little booklet and he said, I'd like to tell you about the four spiritual laws. 
<laughs> You've been separated from God, but Christ came and he fixed it for you. No. <laughs> Peter with John looked hard at him. He said, look at us. The man stared at them, expecting to get something from them. I haven't got any silver or gold, Peter said, but I'll give you what I got. In the name of the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. He grabbed the man by his right hand and lifted him up. At once, his feet and ankles became strong. Luke's a physician who's writing this. I think he, he resisted the urge to get right into the, you know, the muscles and tendons and stuff like that. <laughs> At once, his feet and ankles became strong, and he leaped to his feet and began to walk. He went in with them into the temple, walking and jumping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the man who'd been sitting begging for alms by the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with amazement and astonishment at what had happened to him. I should have included verse 11 too, by the way, because it says uh, as, he walked into, as he went into the temple with them, he clinged to them. He was clinging to Peter and to John. So he's sitting by the gate called Beautiful, and this had never occurred to me until just a couple of days ago. I was reading this passage, and suddenly it hit me like a ton of bricks. The name Beautiful for that gate is incredibly ironic. I've got a picture here of what the temple looked like at that time. This is the, the incredible building, by the way. This, this space, this complex, was the size of probably about uh, three football fields. And you can see I've got an arrow there pointing to the gate called Beautiful. That gate was one of many gates that you see around the wall there. That wall separates the Gentiles from the Jews. Gentiles can't get into where the Jews are worshiping. It is all about us versus them. In versus out. Now, I would put to you that there is nothing beautiful about keeping people out of the presence of God. There is nothing beautiful about putting up barriers between one people group and another. It's pretty quiet in here. The gate was beautiful, sure. I mean, it was laden with gold and silver. I mean, these guys did it upright. Herod, he was a construction dude. He knew what he was doing. He sourced out the best materials. It looked good. I mean, you know, if this was a church today, we're talking like 20-foot LED screens behind the stage, the fog machines, the whole bit, right? But was it beautiful? Or was it just one more barrier to keep people from experiencing God's presence? Was it one more barrier to keep people from experiencing unity in Christ? We've been talking this week about a really, really important principle, an important con concept. See, religion will always be exclusive. Religion will always say us versus them, in versus out. Have you prayed the prayer? Are you in? Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Do you look like us? Do you sing the right songs? Do you wear the right clothes to church? Do you go to church on Sunday? Religion begins to build barriers between people and differentiate. The gospel is always inclusive, always. You watch Jesus, you watch his ministry, he's always saying, you come too, you come. 
And he tears down the barriers. The leper, who was totally ostracized because he had this skin disease, and he, he literally had to say when he would go into a space, he'd say, unclean, unclean. And suddenly there's a radius around him because nobody wants to be near him because they don't want to catch his disease. Jesus gets right into that radius and heals him to break down that barrier so he's no longer separated from the people around him. Jesus was always including others. He was always saying, you come too. There's a party happening inside and you're invited, you just don't know it. That's the gospel. Religion asks the question, are you in or are you out? Have you prayed the prayer? And I would contend that that is not beautiful. The gospel is about radical inclusion. We've been talking this weekend about Colossians 1, 15 through 20, which was this powerful creed that the church would recite. And Paul gives it to us. And the, the last couple of verses of that, I'm not gonna read the whole passage right now, but it says, Jesus reconciled everything to God. Everything. Jesus didn't reconcile those who have prayed a prayer. Jesus reconciled everything, the entire cosmos. John said, God so loved the world. That word world is cosmos. It's the entirety of creation. Everything that he made, he reconciled to himself on the cross. This is really interesting. The last verse of that passage of that creed, Colossians 1.20, it says, God made peace with everything by Christ's blood on the cross. See, the cross wasn't about punishing sin. The cross wasn't about retribution, punishment. The cross was about reconciliation. It was about making peace with everything, all of creation. He made peace by the blood of Christ on the cross. It wasn't about making, punishing sin. It was about making cosmic peace. And everybody's included. You know what's interesting? Jesus started his ministry in the book of Luke. You guys remember this, Luke 4. He unrolls the scroll. He, he's, the, uh, he's in the home, hometown crowd, right? He goes back to his home, hometown, home church. And they say, Jesus, he's starting to get a, a reputation now. So now they got, all right, we, we, got, we got our boy, Jesus. He's going to come and he's going to speak. He's going to bring down the house. And he unrolls the scroll. You guys remember this. And he starts reading from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. By the way, if it's not good news to the poor, I don't think it's good news at all. Good news needs to reach the poor and it needs to radically transform their lives too. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And this is, everybody's waiting for the next line. He's reading from Isaiah 61. They know this passage, right? Like, he's getting to the best part. Yeah, vengeance, 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 come on. The next, next line of Isaiah's passage there is, and the day of the Lord's vengeance. But Jesus just stops right there, rolls up the scroll and he goes and he sits down rascal (laughs) and they start to grumble a little bit hey you missed the best part that's the climax man and you know this is not like Netflix where (laughs) you can just push play on the next episode because they left you at a cliffhanger he's done (laughs) what was he doing 
He says, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. He's making a massive claim, by the way. And then he really stirs the pot. He starts telling them little stories about how Gentiles were actually the ones that he was reaching, right? He talks about um, Elijah going to the widow who was outside of Israel. He talks about Elisha healing Naaman, the Syrian. And they got so mad, they dragged him out, took him to the edge of the cliff, were ready to throw him down the cliff. And, and then Luke says, but he just walked through their midst and disappeared. I don't know what that looked like, but I would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> Where did he go? I don't know. You see, right from the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus was saying, there's a new way of doing life, there's a new kingdom, and there is no us versus them. Is our gospel beautiful? Is our gospel radically inclusive? Does our gospel say, hey, there's a party happening inside and you're already invited, come on in. All right, sorry, where were we? Acts, right, I forgot. Acts 3. So, beggar looking for loose change, sitting at the gate, and he thinks he's got a live one here because Peter and John stop, and they make eye contact with him. They, they say, look at us. He's like, all right, I got one. He is about to get so much more than he bargained for. He's asking for loose change. What he doesn't know is these guys are about to loose change on him. <laughs> They're about to release the change that he never dreamed of. Yeah? His life's about to change forever. 40 years he's been paralyzed. And he's ready to settle for a couple of coins. Folks, we've settled for too little. We've settled for loose change. We worship the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe who said, hey, let there be light. Boom, there's light. But do you have any spare change? There is authority in the name of Jesus. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. But it starts with compassion. It starts with, hey, look at us. Making eye contact with those who feel marginalized and invisible. And they're all around us, by the way. They're all around us. I, I, was, uh, I was in the Philippines a couple days ago. You saw this uh, testimony in the middle of that video from a uh, dude who looks like Gimli from uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> that's my friend Martin from Australia. He's fantastic. Well, we were, we were sitting around in a courtyard waiting. Our, our teams during the day are out every day in the streets just laying hands on the sick and, and saying, what would you like Jesus to do for you? Bad back? We, he can fix that. He'll heal that. Got a headache? Yeah, no problem. You saw the lady with the knee problem. Suddenly, no problem. Anyway, we were sitting waiting for the rest of the team to come back, and my friend Ronalyn, she's our host, she just kind of mentions offhand, she's like, oh, you know, there's a prison right down the street. I said, really? That sounds like fun. <laughs> I said, could we go to the prison? She said, all right, sure, okay. So, so I hop on the back of her motorcycle and I say to Martin, I say, hey, tell the guys I'm taking off to the prison. I'll be back in a little bit. Uh, and so he did what any sane man would do. He turned to the guys and said, hey, Tim and I are going to the prison. We'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> 
And then the next guy says, oh, we're going to go to the prison. And so suddenly there was nobody left. We all went to the prison. There was about five of us. And we just knocked on the door. It's weird. I don't, you know, the thing is, guys, when you're operating in the rhythm of the kingdom, suddenly doors open to you that you never dreamed of. So we just knock on the gate of this prison. The guy opens it and we say, hey, we're just praying for people and seeing God, God heal people. Could, could we come in and pray for some folks? And I don't know what he's thinking, but he's like, yeah, sure, come on in. <laughs> and so suddenly we find ourselves sitting in this uh, kind of recreation area and it's divided into two cells. And, you know, uh, they're large spaces, but there's, the walls are just uh, barbed wire and everything. And... Uh, I start just sharing a little bit about this beautiful gospel and then Martin taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I've got a testimony. Can I share my testimony? Martin's testimony, by the way, is that he too was in prison. He was wrapped up in addiction to drugs and alcohol and, uh, and was thieving in order to feed his addiction and all that stuff. And so he tells them, hey, I was once just like you. I, I was once wrapped up in bondage, quite literally just like you. And I found freedom. Do you want to hear about this Jesus? And of course, everybody says yes. And suddenly 60 hands are going up around the place and Everybody responds to the gospel and turns to Christ, and it's beautiful. And, I, and then I said, what, what we say everywhere we go, I said, hey, Jesus has been healing people. Is there anybody that needs healing? And everybody, like, as soon as I said that, through a translator, because no English in Filipino prisons, uh, the translator says that, and suddenly a whole bunch of guys point to some dude behind me. And so I turn around, and there is this guy, I mean, he is older than dirt, he just, like, he's old. And he, I don't know what he's doing in prison at that age, but anyway, they kind of push him forward, and they're holding his arm, and he, he comes forward like this, and I'm thinking he's got a problem with his legs. I said, What's, what does he need? They said, well, he's blind. He can't see. That's why he's doing that, because he doesn't want to run into anything. Now, I don't know why an ancient blind man is in prison in the Philippines, honestly. When we hear the word justice... Man, the penal system is not justice. I'm just going to tell you, it's not. But anyway, I'm not going there. Shut up, Timmy. <laughs> so they bring this guy to me, and I say, hey, Jesus, Jesus has been healing blind eyes. We've seen it all over the place. By the way, it's a weird thing, but people have seen cataracts move to where they slowly just disappear off the eye. Like the it's funny, I don't know why, but they pray, the cataract moves a bit. They pray again, the cataract moves. They pray a third time, the cataract's gone. Anyway, this guy, he's blind. So I just, I held his hands and I prayed a couple times. Just, Lord Jesus, come. You guys, those who have been with us this weekend, uh, is praying for the sick complicated? No. no. So I prayed this very, very spiritual prayer. Lord, thanks so much for this man. Thanks that you love him. Will you just, will you just come near him right now and heal his eyes? We command this blindness to go in the name of Jesus and we release healing into your eyes. And he's kind of staring down here. And Filipinos, by the way, are already down here. Uh, so I get down a little bit to catch his eye, right? And I catch his eye and he suddenly locks eyes with me, which right off the bat, you know, that's just something going on. And, and I stand up and he follows my gaze. I said, what's God doing? What do you feel? And he looks at me and he says, guapo, which means handsome. And that's when I knew God really is working. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, what do you see? And in, in English, I don't know. In English, he looks at me and he says, your nose. And he reaches out and he grabs my nose like that. He nearly ripped it off. 
suddenly it was this moment of, hey, look at me. Just like Peter and John. Hey, I see you. I see the Christ in you. And I'm ready to call it out of you. I see you are made for the kingdom. Let's just be with Jesus together. You see, the power of compassion is it sees the invisible and it lifts them up out of their situation and says, you matter to Jesus so much that he sent me to have this moment with you. And by the way, you can do that anywhere. Like you can stop for the one anywhere you want. I, I, uh, we, we did a thing, it's goofy, right? But we, yesterday we went out with bags of fruit. And the bags of fruit are really just a, a way to have a point of connection with somebody, to open a conversation, to make it a little less weird. I was doing that in Albuquerque, where I live. And in, I don't know how it is here. I haven't seen much of this. But in Albuquerque, uh, we have a lot of people begging on uh, street corners, like on the island, you know, and they hold up a sign uh, that says, you know, what their plight is. And they're asking for spare change or whatever. Again, spare change. Um, I, I, wanted, I went out into the island. The guy's in the island in the, in the middle of the intersection. So we got traffic going this way and that and everything. And I'm holding a bag of fruit. I said, hey. I bought this for you. And he's looking at me like, all right, that's weird. Um, I was hoping for some spare change, but I guess I'll take an orange. I said, hey, could I just, could I just pray a blessing over you? And I, again, just a very simple prayer. Lord, thanks so much. I don't remember his name. Thanks so much for Fred. Would you just make him aware of your love for him right now? What's fun, by the way, is... Um, when you pray for people who have no concept, like no, no context for church life, what's really interesting is they don't respond in a way that is, you know, the expected, like, the expected response to the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? We all kind of know, like, there are certain expressions of the Holy Spirit that we can anticipate. One of the things we find all over the world is we'll pray for people and they say, I feel heat. I feel like it's like my, the joint or whatever we're praying for. I, I feel heat. It's like it's on fire all over the world. Nobody told them that they're going to feel that, so I know that the Holy Spirit's doing something. Well, this guy just, whoa, and he, it was, he wasn't sauced at that point. Like, but I can just see, he's just the presence of God is coming all over him. He says, whoa, you are good. <laughs> I said, hey, that's Jesus. That's Jesus, and he loves to be with you. And he'll be with you anytime you want. You just cry out and say, Jesus, I just need a touch from you. And he'll come. Compassion sees the invisible and awakens hearts to the reality of heaven. Make sense? All right. We're on the home stretch, I promise. All right, so no spare change, but what I have, I'm going to give you. What I have is the name of Jesus. I have power and authority that was given to me because Jesus said, hey, I've been given authority. Now I'm giving you authority to go. Remember Luke 9, uh, go and heal the sick and cast out demons. I'm giving you the authority to go do that. So Peter and, and John, they know their authority. They know who they are. They've been walking with Jesus. And by the way, they've been every day just spending time in fellowship with other believers who keep on reminding each other, hey, we have authority. Hey, we're in the kingdom of God. We've got access to the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, and he told us we have authority to go do the stuff. So he says, hey, <laughs> In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He's commanding the healing, by the way, right? Get up and walk. And he reaches down and he activates, Peter activates his own faith and activates this guy's faith. I mean, he doesn't even give the guy a chance. 
to respond, right? Like, this guy doesn't have a time to even express his faith because Peter, he's just going for it. Just get up, come on, let's go. And suddenly, his ankles and feet healed. And he's, what is it? Dancing and leaping and praising God. Do you know that song? Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, you promised to dance and there it was. That's all you're getting. Uh, <laughs> there is power in the name of Jesus. We cannot forget that. And if we're being honest with each other, I don't think we believe it very often. I wrestle with it. I'll be, I, I wrestle with it. But there is power in the name of Jesus. I'll prove it to you. Uh, I heard this story just a couple days ago. I mentioned that Impact Nations, uh, one of the things that we do is we rescue children from slavery. And by the way, everything we do, it's, the gospel is to be preached and demonstrated. And so Impact Nations, one of our core values is that all the time we're doing both, right? We're demonstrating the love of God. We're demonstrating the reality of heaven in the here and now, freedom to the captives, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. And then we're saying that was Jesus. That is life as it was intended to be. Would you like some more of that? So anyway, we're, we're rescuing these kids, 2,200 kids we've rescued from, from slavery, but they have no, they don't know what school is. Like they don't know how to behave, right? First generation of students, uh, when, when we get them uh, school uniforms, the first time that we got them school uniforms, we learned a hard lesson because uh, we bought them all shoes. They've never worn shoes in their life, and so they thought that the shoes would be a great toy. So they were literally, they would set up water bottles like bowling alley, and they're tossing their shoes, trying to knock down the water bottles. They all lost their shoes. They'd go off into the field somewhere, and they can't find their shoes. We had to buy them all shoes again and say, by the way, the shoes are for the feet. Please keep them on the feet. Those are expensive. Um, so we gather them together to, to, do, to tutor them because their parents can't do it. Their parents, most, for the most part, can't read or write or anything. So, so we've got these amazing tutors that are teaching them and, and of course, also tell them about this Jesus. So one of our teachers has been telling the kids, hey, there's power in the name of Jesus. And when we pray in the name of Jesus, he will heal the sick. And kids, unlike us cynical adults, they just believe you. So there's this 13-year-old boy and he's walking home from school one day and he gets to thinking, you know, maybe there's something to this whole praying in the name of Jesus thing. His mother has been in terrible pain because she's got kidney stones. He said stones in her tummy. I'm assuming kidney stones or something like that. Intense pain. Every night she cannot sleep. She just cries all night. She's lost her job because she... She can't work, so now she, they've lost half their income. By the way, in the, in the brick factory, uh, just so you know, they're slaves, they get paid a little bit of money, which is just enough to pay the rent that they have to pay to live on the factory floor, basically, uh, and to buy some, uh, some produce at the, at the local store that's coincidentally owned by the brick factory owner. So now she's not able to work in the brick factory, so their income has been cut in half, so now their debt is growing and growing and growing. Little guy says, well, Jesus, if you're for real, would you heal my mom? Would you take away those stones in her tummy? In Jesus' name. He came and told my friend Arsh. Arsh, we have incredible leaders all over the world who head up our ministries, and Arsh is, is one of those leaders. And he comes to Arsh, 
And he tells this story. He says, I, I prayed for my mom, just like you taught me, and she's totally healed. And now she's back working, and she's telling all of her friends. She can't stop telling them, hey, I've met this Jesus, and he healed me. My son prayed in Jesus' name, and now I have no more pain, and I can live my life, and I can get to sleep at night and live my life during the day. So Arsh hears this story, and he's like, all right, I want to meet your mom. Like, are you sure? Again, man, full of faith. Just <laughs> uh, prove it, kid. <laughs> so he goes and meets the mom, and sure enough, she's just weeping. Tell me more about this Jesus, because I've got to tell all my friends, because I keep telling them about this Jesus, but I don't know much about him. Could you tell me so I can tell them? An evangelist suddenly born right there, because the power of heaven came and touched her. That's good news, by the way. You guys are quiet. Come on, that's good news. There you go. <laughs> Again, this is the creator of all things, and he's given us authority to operate in his name and to recreate things. To say to those messed up feet and ankles, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Uh, it's still happening to this day. I've just given you some examples. I saw another one just last week. Uh, we, we, the community gathered in the Philippines to, to hear the word, and, and people came. And they'd heard that God is healing. And this guy came in and he was carrying a stick. It was taller than he was. And his foot was like, I, I didn't, can't even describe it, but his foot was like this and was wrapped around the stick. And he's walking in like this. And I saw him and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> and then I got busy doing other things. I, I'd seen him out of the corner of my eye. But an hour later, our team gets up, somebody on our team gets up and says, hey, I want you to meet my new friend. And this guy runs up. There was, there was stairs just like this up to this little stage. And he runs up the stage. They're holding up his stick like this. And that guy walked home just like this. In fact, the funny thing is, yeah, come on. That, the funny thing is, and we see this happen a lot. Uh, we, we always tell people, test it out, right? And so he's, I watched him for like five or 10 minutes. He's just standing in the corner and he's like, what is, what, how, what is going on? How did this? And he's like, he doesn't know if he should be mystified or leaping and praising. And he walked home. That's beautiful. My question this morning is, is our gospel beautiful? Are we presenting beauty to the world around us? Are we tearing down the barriers that would say, you can't experience what we've got? Or do we even know what we've got? Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten the beauty and splendor of the creator of the universe who has given us authority to operate in his name? Um, worship team, why don't you guys come and just, I just want to spend a few minutes gazing at the beauty of the Lord. If We've got a ministry team here, yeah? Okay. Um, I want to do two things. Uh, I believe this morning there are some, there's something stirring inside of you. There's something stirring inside of you saying, I, I need a reawakening. I need my eyes to be opened. I need a fresh revelation of this beautiful king, this beautiful gospel. I need a fresh revelation that I can bring to the world around me so that everywhere I go, I can be carrying the fragrance of heaven, the fragrance of my creator. If that's you this morning, 
just as, as we begin to spend some time in worship, sorry, I should have called you guys up sooner. Uh, as we begin to spend some time in worship, I'd like, just, just come and spend some time down here. And you can get on your face, you can, I don't know, however you want to respond. But don't leave without being satisfied. Don't, don't leave here today having been satisfied with loose change. Come and allow him to release change in your spirit. Come, just come. You can come now, it's okay. I don't bite. Just come and spend some time in his presence and allow him to open your eyes to the beauty of the Lord. And let it go deep down in your heart. And just say, Papa, I'm sorry that I forgot how beautiful you are. Will you open my eyes to see it again? And then we're going to heal the sick today too because God's doing that. <laughs> I believe there's probably some folks here who need some healing this morning. The great news is we've got a freshly equipped team who can lay hands on the sick because they just learned how to do that yesterday. <laughs> you got something? Um, am I on? I've got a loud voice. If, if you were at... The Impact Weekend, uh, and we, we went through the training. Would you stand up, please? I'd really like it if you guys could come up here. Come on up. It'd be great. And over here, I think what Tim was talking about is kind of over there, but if yeah. you need healing, let's, let's come over to this side. I want to encourage you, any of you who have sickness, who have pain, um, especially that person who has pain on the inside of your right knee, if you've got that knee pain, be sure to come because the Lord's going to heal you. Also, the one who has a problem with your left shoulder, the Lord's going to heal you too. Somebody who keeps getting sinus infections, if you come now, uh, he'll heal you. Uh, you've got several people, there's five of you, I think, who have and this is common, I know, but specifically you've got lower back pain. So if you want to just come now, it's better to get healed than to go home without getting prayer, okay? So everybody stand up, because you're really glued to the pew. <laughs> Tim said something about cataracts, and there, there is somebody here who's been told you're getting the beginning of cataracts. If you would come forward too, that's good. Just come, come. Yeah, come. Um, uh, wow, uh, arthritic wrist. Would you come for that too, please? If you guys need healing, we got we're we're like two sides of the stage here. If you guys need healing, yeah. we, we've got like a brand new, freshly trained healing team and right the, here. And they're going to remember <laughs> that they're going to find out exactly what you need. They're going to they're going to place their hand where the pain is. They're going to command the healing, and then they're going to have them check it out. Everybody remember that? Okay. By the way, um, this isn't a lottery. Those are just some things the Lord just told me He's specifically going to do. But if you have any, any need uh, uh, for healing, please come right now. If somebody who's been having a real problem uh, with foot pain, please be sure to come too. All right? 
Who needs healing? Wave your hand. You got it. You came in here with any pain or any sickness. Wave at me. I'm feeling lonely up here. That's it. You come. This is the time. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Just release healing. Remember, folks, what you're doing. You find out exactly what they need. Here we are. There's more coming. Yes. Come on over here. You guys on the side. Get, get, find these folks. Find these folks. Thank you, Lord. This is our inheritance, beloved. This is our inheritance. Acid reflux, wow. Uh, two people here really have that problem. You know that heartburn, acid reflux? God, God will heal you right now. He'll heal you right now. So don't miss this. Mm.